Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Friends Are Far Out podcast. I'm one of your hosts, Jay, and for the first time, I am not joined by the amazing M. She has decided to wander off into the woods and begin a new life, operating a bed and breakfast as a bear. No, just kidding, of course. Unfortunately, M is under the weather this week, but she will be back with us next week uh, on our next episode to give us all of her thoughts on Bear and Breakfast, which dropped this week on the Nintendo Switch. However, this week we are lucky to be joined by the one, the only, Pete. Hello, hello. Friends Are Far Out is a podcast for all of those who enjoy gaming and spending time with friends, whether they're children, anxious adults, or somewhere in between. Pete, how does this week find you? Uh, very tired, as I was telling you before. It's uh, been a long week. Now it's Friday night, which is my time to be tired uh, and old. Yes, uh, that is on brand for the Friends Are Far Out podcast. Uh, oh, yeah? We, yeah, we're tired every week. And uh, every week we uh, somewhat uh, put that aside to dive into some games. And that's where we find uh, that's where we find some entertainment in uh, these very tiring weeks, in these troubling now, times. I have to say, for you, I understand. You and I are a lot alike. We sound mm-hmm. a lot alike. Yep. Uh, we live a similar life, but uh, but your co-host M, it's my understanding she has the vigor of youth on her side and should not be as tired as uh, as we are. Is that accurate, or is, is she has she earned the uh, the right? Oh no, she has earned it in the trenches for sure. Oh, okay. All right. Yeah. No, she is definitely an honorary old person and is allowed oh, to good, be tired good. whenever she wants. Now, Pete, you alluded to something a moment ago, and that was. Uh, uh, us sounding somewhat alike, and that was part of our concern before we uh, before we jumped in here. No, uh, it's no problem. It'll be no problem to tell us apart. Just know that I sound like this, and I sound like this. It's very. It's a hundred percent. It's very. There easy. we go. We cleared yeah. it up. Absolutely. I'm sure that no one will have trouble now moving forward. Absolutely nobody. Fast forward an hour from now, everyone will know exactly who's speaking at all times. Yep, I feel good about it. All right. So, uh, Pete, we begin every show by diving into the bargain bin. Mm, I know. I've listened. I've listened to the show. That's true. You're not just uh, a host. You're also a fan. Yeah. I appreciate it. So, why don't you get us started? What is your first uh, item in the bargain bin this week? Oh, all right. So, my first item in the bargain bin is actually one that I was so excited. It went on sale today. And the last time it was on sale, I missed it by a day. I hate but that it happens. is it is the uh, it, it is the Resident Evil Three. Now this is the remake of Resident Evil Three. This mm-hmm. is the Resident Evil Three, the Raccoon City Edition. Now that very wordy title means that it includes the Resident Evil Two remake, the Resident Evil Three remake, both full games in their entirety. And the game Resident Evil Resistance, which I believe is like an online multiplayer thing. Uh, now, this is on the PlayStation Network. So it's, these are playable on PlayStation 4 and there's PlayStation 5 versions. And it's on sale for $19.79, a whopping 65% off of its retail price of $59.99. And you're getting two full games plus uh, like a side multiplayer thing. Now, that is a lot of game. I'm very excited, especially for twenty dollars. I mean, uh, you know, you. I remember uh, before we uh, started recording, you talked about 
you know, this being a little bit on the pricier side, but really, if you break it down, we're talking about roughly $6 a game, you know? Yeah. Oh, it's, yeah, it's, it's, yeah. yes, exactly. It's a hefty discount. Uh, and I almost don't count Resident Evil Resistance as part, as part, as a full game in there. So, I mean, still, you're talking less than 10 bucks per. Um, and uh, back when Resident Evil 2 Remake first came out, mm-hmm. I bought and played it on the Xbox uh, One. Right. I bought it on disc, but now I have an Xbox Series S, so it has no disc drive, so I can't play my copy of it. Right. So this now on the PlayStation 5 lets me have both of those games that I'm interested in. I I have yet to try the Resident Evil 3 remake, but I'm very excited to try it. I mean, the Resident Evil 2 remake was so well done. Yeah, it's fa- it was fabulously done. Uh, by all accounts, the Resident Evil 3 remake is also as well done. It's just that the base game that we're working off of is not as strong as... Uh, right, Resident 2. Evil 2 is just a better game overall. It's just a better game. It's a meteor yeah. game. There's more There's more to it. Like Res- Resident Evil 3, the original version on PlayStation, was a pretty short game, and mm-hmm. it was a pretty like linear game. Right, right, right. Yeah, just yeah. by design. Yep. All right. All right, what do you uh, got? So my first item in the bargain bin is one that I believe I've put in the bargain bin before, but it is a game called Moving Out. Um, it's on sale for $6.24 on the Nintendo eShop. That's 75% off uh, its normal price, and that matches a previous uh, low price for it. Uh, this game is terrific to play uh, couch co-op. Uh, we picked up this game oh, a while back now. Uh, we even bought the DLC for it when that came out, but it is just one that I've really had a good time playing with the girls. Is this uh, is this one of those games where you're kind of like jelly people doing a weird physics thing? Um, no, not necessarily. I mean, there's a little bit of wonky physics in it, but um, basically, you work for a moving company, a very zany moving company, and uh, by any means necessary, you have to get the schedule whatever items are uh, have been selected from inside the house or property into the truck that's it got it yeah, um, yeah but what makes it such a great what i really like about it make it makes it such a great uh, couch co-op game is the accessibility features so mm-hmm. like you know if you're playing with maybe someone who's not the most skilled with a controller or gets really nervous about timers and things like that I mean, there's all kinds of things that you can add to it uh, to make it a little bit easier. You can, you know, kind of take off the timer or make the penalty less. Um, a lot of things you can do to change up the difficulty and still progress through. Um, much like a, an overcooked or something, there's a lot of like yelling and zaniness. You're throwing items out the window. You're throwing yep. items to each other. Uh, it, it's pretty wild stuff, but it is it is a lot of fun. And for $6.24, it is certainly worth uh, picking up. I actually have been looking to purchase a game to play with my daughter, who is uh, not that great with a controller and not uh, that great at keeping to a timer. But I think she would like it. No, that's definitely one to check out because, like, for example, some of the items uh, are like two person items. So they're meant to be, oh, you grab one end of the couch, I'll grab the other. Right. I'll, I'll grab the other end of the couch. But like, again, there's accessibility features where you can say, all right, you know what? One person can be able to handle it. And they'll just allow one person to be able to drag that item out, you know. So, like, if you were having a hard time uh, getting together, they, they allow you to, to make those changes. So, I really appreciate some accessibility features. All right. Nice. What's, oh, uh, back, what's Back to me? Yeah. What's another sil- uh, selection? Well, so uh, so I you can tell I was browsing the PlayStation Store today. Mm-hmm. So, um, 
I believe 2018, they they did a, a PlayStation 4 version of God of War, right? Mm-hmm. And this is not quite a reboot because it is it canonically it, it acknowledges that the other games happened, but this is the type of game where you could really just pick it up and play it with almost no knowledge of the previous games. Mm-hmm. Um, and it is a reboot in the God of War style, right? It is no longer pure like uh, hack and slash. It's like uh, it's much less arcadey, much more story focused. Anyway, so that game is currently on sale for fifty percent off. It's nine ninety nine. Uh, it's playable on the PlayStation 4 and the PlayStation 5. Uh, but the reason it's relevant, and it's a little bit of a preview for later, is that there was a brand new trailer for the soon-to-be-released uh, God of War Ragnarok, which is the sequel to this game. This, it is a, a conclusion of the story they begin in this game. Um, so if you're interested at all, it's a really cheap price to buy in and get started on that game just in time for Ragnarok to come out in a couple months. Awesome. Yeah. Awesome. And now, I, I highly recommend that first one, too. It's really fun. So, like, the original God of War, if we go way, way back, that was in, like, uh, the pantheon 2. of Greek gods, right? Yes. Yeah. So, uh, over the course of something like five or six games, Kratos did battle with all of almost all of the Greek gods, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, and then this game is set in uh, the realm of Midgard, Midgard, okay, rather, sure. uh, featuring the Norse mythology, Norse gods. Mm-hmm. And, and But Kratos is still someone who left Greece having done battle with the Greek gods, right? right. And uh, this game picks up many years after. He had settled down. He married a woman. He had a child. That child is now 10 or 11 years old. And and that is where the story picks up is like Kratos is a dad. So a lot of times people jokingly call this dad of war, um, but it is it is a very good game, very compelling story, very fun combat mechanics. There's a very cool um, if you're familiar with the Marvel movies where Thor throws his hammer and then catches it. Mm-hmm. There's a mechanic just like that with Kratos's uh, axe. So he can throw the axe and it will land somewhere in the battlefield and then you can recall it to your hand and on its way back it may hit more enemies. Oh, that is so cool. It's a very and it's there's a very impactful uh thud like type sound that really plays into the mechanic. I love a satisfying thud. Yep. It really Jeff adds to it. Yep. Um I uh I have been out of the PlayStation universe for quite a while, uh until uh you passed along your PlayStation 4 to me and yeah, God of $10. War. Get God of go. War is one of those ones. Well, I have it. You oh, it's already it on me. there. Okay, great. Yeah, yeah all right. <laughs> so <laughs> it's just, uh, it's it's on the backlog. It's on the backlog list. So um, yeah, you just need I, to quit all your other responsibilities and catch up on your backlog. That's it. Forget everything else. Um, speaking about forgetting everything else, my last game of the bargain bin is a game that has been on here before. I know it. We've talked a lot about it on the show, but that is Donut County. Donut County is on sale for $3.79 on the Nintendo eShop. That's 71% off its normal price. That matches a previous low as well. Now, Pete, you've played this game, right? Oh, yeah, yeah. I have, I have played and completed Donut County. I believe I played it on the phone. Is it, It's on the phone, yep, right? It's on the phone yeah, as well, I, yep. I played it. It's very clever, first of all. It's mm-hmm. Very clever, very cute, a very satisfying mechanic of like the ever increasing hole and just swallowing everything up. Uh, and also, it it, it, uh, <laughs> it it caught me off guard the first time I swallowed up mountains. <laughs> I was like, oh, oh yeah. look, I I cleared everything, and then it's like, oh no, I didn't. And then I swallowed up the mountains. I was like, oh okay, 
Yep. Nothing is safe from the hole. Um, and uh, it, not a terribly long game, as you pointed out. Like, you did, no, you did beat no. it. Uh, but, again, for $3.79, there is plenty of game there uh, to enjoy. Yep. And uh, and it's just really a fun experience. And it's definitely replayable. Like, uh, you put it down for a while, you come back, you know, a few months later, and you're like, oh, let me run through it again. Uh, Excellent the, soundtrack. That is true. The soundtrack Excellent is great. Soundtrack. And I think Play the writing the writing is better than you expect. It's very clever, uh, yeah. Yeah, there's like this little uh, trashopedia as you start, um, you know, pulling things into the hole. Uh, it shows you every item you pulled into the hole, and it has a description that uh, is written from the point of view of a raccoon. Mm-hmm. So, uh, and of course, it gave us the phrase, have a garbage day, which is <laughs> just wonderful. It, uh, it describes my life. Just, well, yes. I have been having a garbage day. Thank no, you. No, I Donna actually Donna. had an all right day. Oh, that's good. All uh, right. Hey, until I asked you to last minute to be on the podcast, then yeah, maybe it's it really t- it's all been downhill from there. T- took a turn. Took a turn. I, you know, there's something I was going to say uh, in regards to backlogs, as you mentioned. Yeah, backlogs. yeah, sure. Before we before we jump into uh, what we've been playing, yeah. uh, a friend of mine and I have long talked about how uh, we kind of wish there was something of a gaming jubilee. In which, mm-hmm. like, uh, instead of all debt being forgiven, if if game developers just said, you know what, we're just not going to release a game for a couple of years. Like, everybody, we're just going to take a pause, two years off, no new games, and everybody just play what you own already. Uh, it would be like an opportunity for me to catch up. That would be great. I'm I'm all here for that. Yeah. Well, so we, well, we a little bit got that this year because <laughs> of COVID delays. Some would argue. Right? Yes, some uh, would argue. Many things got delayed to, to 2023. But the problem is, and this is going to carry us right into what we've been playing. The problem is Elden Ring was released on time in February uh, and has been the game that I have been playing uh, since February. Uh, and I am now on the final boss. Now... Is this one of those? Is this one of those where like you think it's the final boss, or you like you're guaranteed this is it? This is the no. I have I have looked at the wiki and noted that this two part boss is in fact the final encounter. That after which I will be able to click a button and see the ending I have selected through my actions. Okay, all right. So you are definitely you're right there. You're at the door. Yep, and well, I'm at the fog gate, and then I will. uh, No, I had no idea. I was just using yeah. door as a metaphor there, but it turns out you're at an actual game. Yeah, have you ever played a uh, a, a Souls like game? Uh, I played Tunic. So no. <laughs> uh, so From Software, uh, you know, has has a pretty famous lineage at this point of like right, Dark right, Souls right. and Demon Souls and all those things. One one aspect of most of those games, I'm not sure if it's in every single one of those games. But most of those games is that boss encounters are usually segmented into their own arena. Right. And so in Bloodborne, for example, and sometimes in Elden Ring, the first time you encounter a boss, you'll encounter them in a way that feels natural. You'll just like, you know, walk through a hallway and then a a giant life bar will appear at the bottom of the screen. Like, oh, no, it's a boss fight. Right. And then you battle the boss and inevitably die. Right. Mm -hmm. But when you're ready to re-challenge the boss, a a literal wall of fog blocks the boss arena. And you actually have to um, intentionally click a button to enter the fog and begin the boss fight again. So it allows you to prepare with, uh, you know, potions or, you know, equipping the right weapons or the right spells or, you know, putting the right, like, uh, oil or buff on your weapon, any any number of things, right? So you well, can do any number of things. Let me ask you this. If yeah. I felt like, you know what? I took on this boss by mistake. 
I am not ready for this. Could I not go through it and go kind of level up or, you know? Yeah, like... absolutely. Yeah. So, okay, so, so Elden Ring is, Elden Ring especially is good at that uh, because when, it, because this is the first truly open world, right? In previous games, so like Blood, I can use Bloodborne as an example. If you are on the early, there's an early gate check boss. Like he's like, he's a gatekeeper boss called Father Gascoigne, right? And he's meant to he's meant to see if you, the player, have learned the essential mechanics to playing the game in the sense that you won't be able to beat him unless you're able to do their parry mechanic, because mm-hmm. that's that's what the rest of the game is designed around being able to do. Right. Right. So, so it's, you essential. Can't, it's essential. Yeah. So if you can't do that, you, you can't really handle the rest of the game. So you're stuck at this boss. But truthfully, there comes a point where there's nothing for you to do. But beat this boss, right? Mm-hmm. So you're stuck fighting him over and over and over again. But in Elden Ring, you know, there's an early boss similar uh, called uh, Margit, right? And mm-hmm. uh, if you get to Margit and you're like, this is too hard, there are three or four directions you can just go away from his castle and explore fully realized other areas of the map with their own mini dungeons, their own bosses, sub bosses, mini bosses, all kinds of stuff are just available for you to find new gear, new relics, um, find ways to increase the amount of healing potions you can carry with you, all kinds of things like that. Right. So um, there's also like uh, temporary summonable companions like spirit ashes, which you can go out in the world and find more of them and you can level those up. Right. So there's, there's ways to kind of, beef yourself up and practice more and there's just more to do in the world that is not i have to beat this boss and if i don't beat this boss i'm stuck in this one level right Right. this is there is a sense of levels in this game because uh they call them legacy dungeons where you'll enter an area that is much more like a straightforward level Mm-hmm. Than, uh, than an open world. But when you leave that, you're in an open world. So this open world simply connects these level-like structures. Um, gotcha. So yeah, so in Elden Ring, you can definitely run and, and go find your bearings and practice and you know decide what you want to do before you eventually go back to the boss. Um, and many of the bosses are optional, right? There are very few bosses. I think it's only like six or eight bosses that are truly mandatory. And that's, uh, this is in a, I mean, how many hours you've been, put, have you put into this? I have 65 is my current hour count. Right. So, I mean, like that, that's a relatively small number of bosses for that kind of account. Like, it's a be it's a beefy yeah. game. I, so I what are you going to do? You said you're having trouble right now. What, what's the plan here? Are you going to just I'm keep gonna, plugging away? You're going to go. Uh, yep. Okay. Well, <laughs> I didn't know be- if you were going to maybe go away, try to, you know. Try to buff up a little or sleep on it. No, I'm I'm kinda past the point where buffing up is gonna help me. The mm. thing I gotta do is I kinda have to hunker down. I have to uh practice my boss patterns, uh, learn what they're gonna do to me. Now this this final boss is a two parter, right? And I can pretty reliably get the first boss killed, mm-hmm. then the second boss fight starts immediately after, right? The key is to get the first boss killed while I have enough health potions remaining to carry me through the second boss. I've gotten the second boss to a little over half health so far. Okay, uh, that sounds like progress. Yeah. Oh, it's definitely made progress. Definitely made progress, yeah. It's just, it's a tough one. It's a toughie. I think the only game that even began to approach a Souls-like system and game, I joked about Tunic, but um, was uh, Jedi Fallen Order I played. That was like, 
you know, again, focused a little bit on parrying and stuff like that, but I don't think it had anywhere near the difficulty spike of did some you, of these games. Well, did you complete uh, Jedi Fallen Order? Yeah, yeah, I beat it. Yeah. Well, I mean, so the parrying mechanic was essential. In order oh, yeah, to... no, it was, but it was really tough for me because it was unlike anything else I've played. Right, yeah, and I found the timing window in Jedi Fallen Order to be a little weird, let's mm. say. Um, I, it felt unintuitive because there was like a, a lead-up to his parry, but mm. that that is... This type of combat where you only have so much right. stamina to do things. You are really focused on timing. You're really focused on learning what the bosses do. Like when you are having, uh, I think a lot about that final boss fight, which was uh, a tough, a tough one, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but when you're in that final boss fight, you really have to watch and learn what that evil Jedi is going to do with each of their moves and begin to predict and say, okay, this is one I can parry. This is one I have to dodge. This is a big tack I'm going to have to jump over, right? Things like that. Like, uh, you kind of have to just learn that stuff. And that's very much what what uh, Souls games are like. Right. Right. For sure. Yeah. All right. Uh, well, something I've been putting a lot of time into is a surprise to no one, and that is Into the Breach. One of oh, my, you like that game? Yeah, right. One of my Weird. favorite games of all time. I'm still plugging away. Right now, I'm still making my way through the different squads, trying to beat... Every squad uh, normal because I had I've beaten all I've beaten it with all the uh, and all the different number of islands. So there's four islands. So you can beat the game by beating only two islands, three or all four. Uh, and there's a trophy for each. So I've been uh, trying to go back and beat each one in each form, uh, each form uh, on normal. So that's my current uh, current thing I've been doing. But that has only been a palate cleanser, really. I've mainly been playing Cult of the Lamb. So I've been having my, I've been keeping my cult. uh, uh, Talked about it last week, or last episode, rather. Uh, I did, I started my cult, and um, there were some rough times there. But uh, we're on a good path right now. Oh, yeah? Yeah, got Uh, a good good number of followers. How happy is your cult? Oh, they're very happy. No, no, they're very happy. Are they meant to be happy? It seems like a cult of suffering. You could go either way. I, uh, I am a benevolent uh, cult leader. (laughs) I am really cult leader. Oh yes, I'm really trying to take care of my people. Um, A lot of times in the uh, game, you have options as you move forward uh, to choose a path. Kind of, you know, you can choose little uh, ceremonies that will. Uh, be like you could choose a tax collector or you can choose something where you give money back to your cult or you can choose, you know, there's there's different paths that you can choose um, to kind of decide and play the way you want to play. So you can kind of rule through fear or through happiness. Um, so I'm definitely trying to go uh, trying to go the happiness route for the most part. Uh, you're not a fan of the stick. <laughs> no, 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 no. The carrot is definitely uh, definitely my path. And okay. You know, I've um, just like any good cult leader, I have uh, I've married several cult members. So that's at the same time. Or do you kill them? After uh, you marry them? Well, no, I don't kill them, but they you know, they do pass on from you know, we, I am ageless as the chosen one. But, you know, my cult, the amen, cult leaders amen. do get older and they uh, they do pass away. So well, but but you can marry more than one at a time. There is I mean, no time way. comes for us all. There's no rule. Cult, cult or not. Yes, that's definitely true. That's definitely true. But my little uh, my little cult area is definitely coming along. 
so there's really, as I've talked about before, two parts to this game. There's the crusading part where you're out in these uh, procedurally generated, like you're just doing these little runs mm -hmm. to try to um, take down heretics. Um, well, of course. You know, as you do. But, um, and then the other part is the cult management. The cult management, like in your little town area, way more fun, in my opinion, yeah. uh, than the crusading. But, you know, the crusading is a necessary portion, and it's well, okay, but it, it really shines with taking care of the cult. I think that's kind of been the thing that's kept me away from it a little bit, is one, I, I don't know if the art style is for me. Mm -hmm. It mm -hmm. is. Uh, it does lean a little bit into the gross animation style. Definitely. Uh, it's kind of this weird combination of cute and gross at the same time. Yeah, which which is a thing, right? That's, you know, mm -hmm. that's present in stuff like, uh, I mean, it goes back to being present in like Ren and Stimpy, right? Sure, yeah. Uh, but it's also present in, in, in modern day stuff like uh, Rick and Morty, I believe, leans into that cute but gross. And uh, it's also been a bit of an indie game trend to have this kind of cute but gross aesthetic. And, and I just have never quite clicked with it myself. Um, I like the idea. I, I, what I One, I think it sounds clever. I think the writing sounds cute and clever. I think mm -hmm. the concept sounds very funny. Um, and I love the idea of like cult management as a sim. Uh, but I really am also very over run-based roguelikes, right? Sure. Like, I, yeah. I'm all set. Like if they're like, ah, time to go make a run and see how far you get. I'm like, ah, you know what? Let's not. Let's not see how far I get. Let's Maybe just... I'm good. Maybe I'm what good. If, what if we didn't do that and did anything else? Yeah, right. Exactly. Uh, so that's Cult of the Lamb. I've been enjoying that. Um, you know, again, that and Into the Breach has really been occupying a lot of my time. Um, I keep meaning to. I want to jump into uh, Tinykin, which is on, or Tinykins is on, uh, it's on Game Pass. So I want to dive into mm -hmm. that, but I can't pull myself away from these two at the moment. But yeah. I have so Tinykins goes. Tinykins is like. Um, Oh, it's, it's like Pikmin, right? Yeah, it's kind of like Pikmin. Yeah, it's kind of yeah, like I have, a Pikmin. I have game. heard of this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There was something I, believe I heard it's on game that was on Game Pass. I, I legitimately can't remember. Maybe it was that, actually. Maybe that's the thing that's on Game Pass that I heard about. Could be. Um, the other the other game I play, which is, mm -hmm. uh, some people would argue it's not a game, but I definitely treat it that way. Well, let's is, just see. Uh, Wait a minute. Judges? Yes. I'm, I'm getting a yes. Yes, they're saying it is a game. Go ahead. Great. I yep. Every day, to keep my mind sharp, uh, I like to do the New York Times crossword puzzle. Uh, I do it on my phone on an app, right? Mm -hmm. They have just an app, and I subscribe. I pay them uh, too much money. I think I pay them like 40 bucks a year for the crossword. <laughs> I mean, that's not crazy. Does that give you access to any other games, or is that just straight the crossword? Because I know that I keep hearing these ads for all these different games at the... Well, so the, I mean, Wordle is owned by New York Times now. Right, right. Right. So I do, I could do the Wordle right in the app, um, which I sometimes do. Uh, and they have another game. It's like a, a word, like you get a bunch of letters, you have to make a bunch of words out of it, as many words as you can, rather. Okay, uh, I'm not, yep. yeah, I'm not super into that. Uh, but I mostly, it gives you, it gives you, it does give you access to the entire New York Times back catalog. Speaking um, of backlogs, hey -oh. Yeah, seriously, this is an enormous... This, like, you can go all the way back to, like, uh, the 70s and before. Wow. Crosswords, okay, right? so is, they went, they did some work then. It's a bananas amount of puzzles to do, right? Mm -hmm. uh, and then on top of that, they have just have puzzle packs you could do. Like, if you run out of daily crosswords, you can just do puzzle packs. But I, I, I do the daily crossword. I do the daily crossword, and I do what's called the mini, which is just a mini crossword puzzle. Mm -hmm. Um 
But yeah, are you have you ever done the crossword before? The New York Times crossword? Are you familiar with its I, structure I, at all? I, I'm, I, somewhat, not only only loosely. But uh, something you've told me about it though is that it does keep track of your times, right? Yes, it does track my times. That is totally gamified, right there. Like, yeah. Oh, yeah. And you can do a streak. Like yeah, my, oh, I yeah. had a, I had a streak the whole month of August, but I lost it when I, I didn't complete one in time. Um, but it's interesting because so like uh, from Sunday through Thursday, those puzzles will all have a theme, right? Okay. And then Monday through Saturday will also be an increasing difficulty throughout the week. So like Monday puzzle takes me like six minutes to do. Okay. Right. Uh, it's how many very clues are we talking? Like like twenty clues, forty clues. Um, no, usually it usually numbers up to uh, numbers one through fifty, mm-hmm. and then uh, a combination of those are across and down. So anywhere between gotcha. fifty and a hundred clues. Okay. Gotcha. Okay. All right. Uh, so like, but but a yes, yeah, so like a Monday crossword I can do between like six and ten minutes, right? And then they get increasingly more difficult. Sunday is different, is differentiated. It's about the difficulty of a Wednesday. So like a mid-tier difficulty, but it's it's huge. It's double-sized, right? So we're talking 100 to 200 clues in that one, mm-hmm. right? Um, so, that, so Sundays are kind of tough just because they're so big. But Sunday through Thursday also always have a theme, right? So if you can kind of unlock what the constructor is going for in the theme, you can, uh, you can get some really fun answers. And sometimes you get some really out there stuff uh, but but one thing I've noticed uh, myself picking up a lot more of is uh, crossword ease, right? Which are these very popular fills that that crossword constructors will use to basically fill in stuff, right? Just and to kind of like, make everything fit, or yeah. So like uh, like acai, like the berry, mm-hmm. is a super popular one. As is aloe, like the plant you would use if you got a sunburn. Got it. Right. Yep. Aloe. Aloe is also a hugely popular bit of crossword ease. Um, there's tons that I'm not thinking of right now, but there's just tons of, of, of things where you'll see a clue and you're like, oh, yeah, OK. Basically, anytime they're like, "Ooh, this soothing plant, aloe every time. Boom. You don't even have every, to guess. It's just yeah, right. aloe, right? They just use aloe all the time. Gotcha. Um, yeah. And then there's also a lot of puns, which are great, which I'm a big I'm a big pun fan. Nice. So, yes, yeah, so the New York Times crossword. So the way it works is uh, it actually the the day's crossword unlocks the evening before. So at 10 o'clock tonight, the Saturday crossword will be posted and I can start working on it. Right. And Whoa, I'll usually, crosswords from the future. I'll, yeah. Right. I'll usually try and do a first pass at uh, at the crossword before bed. And then I'll finish it in the morning, uh, you know, like while I walk the dog or while the kids eat breakfast or, you know, during a morning meeting at work that I am not paying attention to. I really hope my boss doesn't listen to this. No, that would ne- <laughs> no. I mean, I mean, no, that would never happen. Yeah. But uh, but yeah, so it's it's and my, my job, my work also leads me to a, a reasonable amount of downtime. right? So I always find time to crossword midday. Awesome. Awesome. Very yeah, cool. I love the New York Times crossword. All right. So just a quick review. We've got Elden Ring, Into the Breach, Cult of the Lamb, and the New York Times crossword. That is what is occupying our time. Uh, go ahead and take a moment and check out any of those. We're going to take a quick break. We're going to step away, and we'll be right back after these words. This episode of the Friends of Far Out podcast is brought to you by Flowers. 
Flowers. Find them outside. Buy them in a store. They smell great. Welcome back to the Friends Are Far Out podcast. I'm one of your hosts, Jay, and here with me this week is Pete. Hey, hey. Pete, this week we were blessed with a long-anticipated Nintendo Direct. Thank and you. And spoiler. Thank yes, you, Papa, thank, Papa Nintendo. Thank you. Yes, thank you, thank you. And if you're a fan of anime or farming games, you were in luck. Quite a bit of both of those. Uh, but today, we're not going to be able to go over the whole thing, of course, uh, but if you want to, for sure, check it out. The whole thing was just over 40 minutes. Uh, but I thought we could break down just a few things that stood out um, uh, on the Nintendo Direct. Uh, I, I want to actually start, if it's okay, with something that's not on the list. Yeah, go ahead. What do you got? Uh, and this is not a game, either. All I right. just wanted to say how happy I am that... Uh, I don't remember his first name, but his last name is Koizumi, was hosting this Direct... He is the one who uh, very iconically debuted the Nintendo Switch itself and started the whole snapping every time he would start anything, right? So yep. he was always like, he's like, let's check it out. And the, yep. the big snap. And it was great every time. And I loved it. He he just has such charm on a stage, be it a real stage or even a virtual stage, like a sound stage, like whatever it is, he truly captivates and gets me excited for what is essentially a glorified commercial, right? Yes, absolutely. <laughs> In fact, when we were watching, we watched them together as a family. And um, at one point, um, at one point, my youngest daughter said, wait a minute, is this an ad uh, talking about one of the, one of the, uh, you know, uh, previews that they were showing? And, and I said, kid, this whole an thing ad. is an ad. <laughs> everything, this whole thing is an ad. What if um, I told you everything is an advertisement? Mind blown. Mind blown. All right. Um, all right. Uh, so where, we, uh, where we're going to start, I think, is with a game that uh, is going to be a sequel to a game that I've played a little bit. I'm not sure if you dove into it, but that is Octopath Traveler 2 was announced. Yeah, okay, so uh, Octopath Traveler 2 is insane to me. Uh, let me just open with that. The So Octopath... Okay. <laughs> Octopath... <laughs> I did not play Octopath Traveler 1. I played the demo, right? Okay. And Octopath Traveler is one of these games that is from uh, Square Enix. They they made a studio for these type of smaller RPG games. And this was initially debuted with the name Project Octopath Traveler, title not final. Yes. Right? Like, they were like, this is a project we're working on where you'll play as eight traveling companions. So we're calling it the Octopath Traveler Project. We'll come up with the real name later. We'll tell you the real name. Except people got so into the goofy, terrible name that is Octopath Traveler yep. that they just dropped Project from it and made it the name of the game. And then the same thing happened to this same studio again with oh, their next game, say. Project Triangle Strategy, and somehow an even worse name. It, like, it is worse. It's worse. <laughs> and, um. and that was just meant to be 
like a knockoff of Fire Emblem. It's classic weapons triangle. <laughs> yep. Yep. But here we are. Here we are. And then they just dropped Project and made it Triangle Strategy, which, again, is an insane thing to call your video game. It sure is. Oh, God. Anyway, and then, and then now they're making a sequel. Double down, baby. Except it's not a sequel. They're just like, you're going to go with eight guys again. <laughs> it's eight people again. Second yeah. group of eight. I uh, uh, I will yeah. say, though, I mean, I know we're going to talk a little bit more. We have a special guest to discuss the art we style. We do, yes. But I, I adore this 2D HD. That's what they call it, 2D HD art style. As someone who uh, grew up with a lot of 16-bit games being like the games I would play, like things like Sweet Coden on the PlayStation or, um, you know, Final Fantasy three on the Super Nintendo or Secret of Mana on the Super Nintendo. Mm-hmm. Like, this is right in line with those, except it's like an enhanced, more beautified version of it. And the thing they nail from those early RPGs is when you get into a battle screen, you get big enemies. Like, the enemy... Pixel art is huge, right? Yes. Like just a moment ago, monsters, yeah. a moment ago, it showed your character talking as a normal-sized human to another normal-sized human, and then you get into the battle screen, and the normal-sized human that you were just talking to is now eighteen feet high. A hulking behemoth, yes. like literal, cool. puts the Incredible Hulk to shame. Yes, just what. His secret is he's jacked. Not yep. he's always angry. He's just yes, jacked. No. He laughs in the face of giants, and he welcomes in his minions who are and me- and meanwhile just uh, just a, a shade under ten feet tall. Not to worry. His little minions. Will your be there character too. is like normal people height all the time. Oh yes, you're the same. You're the same yeah, as you were same. before the cutscene. Like you're just, it, yeah. It's it's like oh uh, well. Here's Jim, the local hobo. Let's battle him. Oh, wait. He's a 19-foot-tall, like, fire monster who has been immune, working immune out to every, all damage. <laughs> yeah, who's been working out every day for the last nine years. And uh, he is jacked beyond belief. All right. So we touched on it. Let's start with the art style. And as you mentioned, we are going to bring in a special guest. Here to talk about it is Rose. Rose, welcome to the show. Hi. Uh as um, Jay here said, I am Rose, who is an artist who is currently working on the cover art for this podcast. Yes, that's right. Keep an eye out for that. Um, I'll be obviously talking about Octopath Traveler 2. This art style is very unique in this day of age, where everything is like super HD and, like, you cannot tell the difference between the video game screenshots and real photos. Uh, eventually, robots are going to take over the world. And, um... You heard it here first. Yeah. And we will not be able to tell the difference. Now, um, Rose, I have a question for you, right? Mm-hmm. Now, you are obviously a younger video gamer. Yeah. And when you grew up, right, the games already looked like that. They already yeah. looked like these photorealism. What about pixel art attra- is attractive to you? Is it is it just this Octopath Travel is 2D HD that is attractive to you? Or is it all pixel art? Do you look at some classic games from when uh, 
when like Jay and I were younger and think that they they are also very beautiful looking? Or are you just more into like the modern interpretation of the pixel art? Which there is a difference. If you look closer, there's a there's a pretty substantive difference because the technology today can make sharper, more detailed pixel art than it could back in the day. Um both are very special and beautiful in their own ways. The original pixel art that you and Jay grew up with uh, brings a lot of nostalgia, brings back childhood memories. Well, for me, yeah, absolutely. Mm-hmm. But the uh, new uh, pixel art has extremely good lighting and layering. Like, there are more things that appear closer to the screen than the very detailed background images. And, again, in this day of age, there is not a lot of pixel artists out there. They're all going for the HD, super realistic robots take over the world. Um, And it's unique and it stands out, and it shows hard work from the pixel artists that maybe couldn't find a game where they could show off their talent because they couldn't express their art in a way that would be acceptable in today's age. The game appears to take place in the industrial age, Because of the appearance in the trailer, there was a steam engine, which obviously is not as um, relevant now because back in the industrial age, um, cars were like non-existent. You were either going to take your horse and buggy or you were going to ride the steam engine. And what was your preferred method of travel between those two when you were living through the industrial age? I mean, horses are cute, but um, we actually I, have to not get horses. there you heard in it here like first. multiple horses, months. Horses are cute. We heard it's it here noticed, first. Noticed a lot. <laughs> yeah. So I have to agree with you. I think the art style is, uh, is just beautiful. Now, uh, I think as Pete was saying, and I think as you pointed out and agreed, I do think there is beauty in the simplicity of the mm-hmm. old pixels, but I love what they're doing here where they're kind of melding the kind of the old and the new. Yeah. In the original like art style, um, there was no lighting. There was no depth. It was just flat screen, little pixelated Mario running across this 2D D. Uh, landscape Um, but now with newer technology and artists advancing their styles we can get a cleaner look with depth with things closer to the screen with more detailed pixel art like the steam engine especially compared to the new characters is extremely details and you have to think about how many hours 
and how many little different shades of gray they had to place individually and then animate that yeah to create no i love it this steam engine sure yeah and i, I know i know you're a digital artist so as a digital artist i'm sure you can appreciate just how much work that would have taken they work so hard and especially when it comes to like i said the hd art style mm -hmm. there is so much more technology Mm -hmm. to help create that i've heard of even things like face tracking where it's not as clean because sometimes when they make um strong emotion their faces get warped and things mm -hmm. and the fact that they are animating pixelated expressions and still giving you that sense of emotion without having to show this extremely realistic photo is amazing. Very cool. Very cool. All right. Well, Rose, thanks a lot for, uh, for chiming in here and giving us uh, the artist perspective. We appreciate it. No problem. Thank you for having me. Yes, thank you so much. All right. Uh, so, uh, Octopath Traveler 2, a lot of people are pumped about it because that uh, Octopath Traveler 1 really was a big hit and um, kind of, uh, I think, took some people by surprise. Mm -hmm. uh, it's one of those games for me, we talked about backlogs earlier, um, a younger me would be so unbelievably jazzed about this game. No, I like it. I still like Octopath Traveler 2. Right, yeah. Uh, Octopath man, Traveler, yeah. but man, I just it's do not have It's a heavy time the... investment. Oh boy, I just that's don't how, have the that's time. That's how for I it. felt about a lot of the games in this Nintendo Direct. I know we joked about uh, being a fan of anime or farming games, mm -hmm. but the truth of the matter is, I am a fan of anime RPGs and farming games. Like I absolutely, like absolutely. those things. I like those things aesthetically. I like those things gameplay wise. I find them very like soothing. One of my most played games of all time is Harvest Moon sixty four, and mm -hmm. I know we're going to talk about. Uh, We'll talk about it right now, actually, may as well. Story of Seasons, A Wonderful Life is actually a remake of Harvest Moon, A Wonderful Life, that I played on the GameCube. Now, I will say, I didn't. this one did not bite me. This one did not bite me the way that 64 bit me and the way that like Friends of Mineral Town bit me. Or the, I, even the way that Stardew Valley bit me. Yeah, I liked... Uh, I, in some ways, I liked the art style, like the, the little animals looked pretty cute and your farmer looked okay. But I don't know, something about it, once you started showing too many of the faces and too many of the, the people interacting, I'm like, they all looked like children. It was... I have a I have a weird... A uh, I, have, I, have, I have a detailed complaint about that game from my okay. childhood. Uh, so it, we're going to compare it directly to Harvest Moon 64 and uh, we'll also talk about what Stardew Valley, a modern interpretation, does better, right? Mm -hmm. So A Wonderful Life did a really great thing in that it, it really upped the graphics. It looked much prettier than its predecessor, which looked very cartoony. But the sacrifice for that was, one, the camera angle is lowered by about 30 degrees, right? Okay, yep. Uh, and two, uh, the, the speed of it, it was not necessarily increased, Right. Mm -hmm. So the problem is that when you actually do the farming mechanic, the camera angle makes it harder to line up 
your watering can or what you're trying to do with your seeds or your tools. Right. And that can be frustrating. And the fact that it takes what feels like a long time to execute each one and that this is a much older game where, you know, your initial watering can, you can water one square at a time and it takes a while. Right. So like the fact that that would take uh, would take so long is really, really frustrating. And it's like, okay, I'm going to go, you know, I want to make my nice aesthetic three by three square of crops. And in Harvest Moon 64, that takes very little time because one, you can switch it to a full 90 degree camera angle and then you can see what you, you know, line yourself up really easily and you, you know. Ho, 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 to make your nine by nine, your three by three, nine square thing. Mm-hmm. Plant your seeds, water your seeds, and it takes only a few minutes. Right. In Wonderful Life, there's a lot of like very cautious lining up, a lot of misclicking and then using your hammer to flatten the land again. There's just a lot of a lot of things that made the farming experience of making like a really aesthetically pleasing farm very frustrating. Mm-hmm. Right. Uh, and then on. Then if you look at a more modern game like Stardew Valley, what that did, which was really smart on the PC, was enable the mouse controls by default, right? So you really just have to kind of point with your mouse where you want your swing to go, and it will swing there, right? Right, yeah, for sure. And, th- and that is a huge deal because it re- just increasing the speed at which you can work your way through what would otherwise be tedium in order to achieve the ultimate end goal of the very relaxing, aesthetically pleasing, efficient farm is like a huge, you have to break down that barrier. And I really, I don't have any faith that, uh, uh, I believe Exceed is the company that makes Story of Seasons. I don't have any belief that they are going to uh, buckle down and do that work to improve the quality of life in It's a Wonderful Life. Um However, they did show off one thing that seems crazy to me that I'm actually very interested in, in that traditionally in a Harvest Moon game and their ilk, uh, you you would get married and have a child and your child would be forever a toddler. Yep. That's the way it is in Stardew. That's how it is in Stardew. That's how it is in Harvest Moon 64. It's how it is in yep. Harvest Moon yep. original, so on and so forth, right? Yes. This was an interesting mechanic that I noted as your well. Your kid will grow all the way up and get a job. Yeah, I saw get that. Kinda, yeah. And Which I was do wonder cool. if you'll pass on eventually. Like, well, is there a time limit on your I, character's life? I would imagine it has to be. If you're going to get old and if all that's going to happen, you, or your kid goes to, and gets a job and you just are, that character is just old, right? And then you yeah. just are locked I wonder in if you then elderly. maybe then get to take over for your kid or something. That'd be cool. I, I don't know. It's, it's interesting enough that it has my attention. Yes. Yes. I think more, more details are certainly needed. Uh, for that one. But again, certainly an interesting note uh, from the direct. All right. Um, another big reveal uh, on this in this Nintendo Direct was Pikmin. We're going back to the world of Pikmin. That's right. This is actually a really long time coming. Yeah, a lot of Pikmin fans have been uh, eagerly awaiting this. Now, of course, on the Switch, we had the re-release of uh, Pikmin 3. Um, no, which I, we, I... we enjoyed in this household. I mean, this is uh, literally was uh, announced a long time ago as something being worked on with no other details. Like Miyamoto was like, I'm working on Pikmin 4, maybe five or six years ago, and then just said nothing about it. (laughs) Right, right, right. Which is like 
bananas. Uh, yeah, Pikmin. So I, I I played Pikmin one. I never played Pikmin two or three. Um, I played Pikmin one and liked it quite a bit. Uh, I, I'm I'm certainly interested in Pikmin four. It looks cute. It looks colorful. All things I like. Uh, I would love to purchase that shirt Miyamoto was wearing with uh, yeah, the Pikmin, yeah. the the pea and the flowers. I'm into that. Yep, for uh, sure. But yeah, no, very few details about Pikmin Four. Are you going to check out the mobile game, the kind of Pikmin Go alike? Uh, I don't know that I will. I don't really walk around too many different places, like a little bit on the my street and stuff like that, but. Uh, I don't live in a place where I'm doing too much walking to and fro around town. Uh, I wonder though, uh, M has really been into, um, has really been into Pokemon Go. Oh, 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 yeah, sure. And so this one definitely has a little more vibes like that where, you know, it's all part of your walking around. Well, it's part of your, I mean, it's also, it's made by Niantic, the company Mm -hmm. made Pokemon Go, like the masters of the walking around game. Oh, yeah. Yep. Um, No, I, I spend most of my time driving. Same. Much as I expect I'll do in the new Mario Kart 8 Deluxe tracks. Whoa. Now that was in transition. Yeah. If you don't call it out, it's way cooler. Oh, okay. All right. I'll try, <laughs> I'll try to remember that for next time. Uh, but so, yeah, but they teased more courses for Mario Kart 8, which the fact that they're even doing this next pack of courses is great to me. Like, Oh, my God. What? It's it's so, so good. Um, I, uh, I love the way they're handling these new tracks uh, because I have not put a lot of time into um, I have not put a lot of time into like uh, the uh, the tour game on the on mobile sure, and a lot of the tracks are coming from there they're coming from old classic games some I've played some I haven't and then they're sprinkling in some brand new ones as well yeah that's yeah lots of uh, lots of just just having more options in this very big Mario Kart package is I, I've always seen, not always, but in recent years, I've thought of Mario Kart more as a platform. Like, mechanically, I don't want much more added to Mario Kart, right? So, like, for a Mario Kart 9 to exist, there needs to be a reason, right? And right now, the only reason would be more tracks and more racers, but they can just add those to Mario Kart 8 and and give us what feels like Mario Kart 9 without having to split their online player base or, you know, get rid of the tracks I, I've fallen in love with in Mario Kart 8, right? So it's like, it just giving more options is better because, you know, I like to load up Mario Kart every so often and just having just this huge, huge list. I mean, we're almost up to 60 tracks now I can just pick from. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's, it's great. Um, oh, it's phenomenal. And I love the value here, like... I was a little worried when they first I first heard that they were going to be doing more tracks. I was like, oh, that's great. But like I have not been one who, for example, I didn't dive into the seasons of fighters for um, Smash Brothers. Oh, I did. Yeah. So I didn't because I was just I just didn't know if there was enough value there. But this was like a no brainer for me. It was twenty five dollars and we're getting all these tracks. It, it, I just feel I feel like it's really worth it. For I, sure. I have the tracks included as part of the Nintendo online deluxe plan. Oh, they got uh, you. They got no, you. I'm a I'm a no, full I'm, I'm, a, I'm an unapologetic <laughs> Nintendo simp. I will just pay them whatever they ask for at all mm-hmm. times. Um, um, Miyamoto asked me personally for this, so I will give it to him. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I'm really excited for the next thing on our list here. This uh, Kirby's Return to Dreamland remake. Oh, it's um, got a big cheer in our house. When this, this is not, this is not a game I actually remember playing. 
Right. I I've have played, not played it. No. I've played I'm, some Kirby 2D games mm-hmm, back in the day, yep. but the art on this game is so gorgeous. Was this originally a Game Boy Advance game? Do you know? I do not know. I think it was though, because Kirby I think Kirby was on some of the earlier systems, you know, of course, Nintendo, Super Nintendo, but I think mobile is where a lot of the hits uh, came for Kirby. Right. So I wouldn't be surprised if that's where oh, it was. Oh, interesting. At. Return to Dreamland is actually a Nintendo Wii game. A Wii game. That's pretty interesting. I did not see that coming. Me neither. And this is a Return to Dreamland Deluxe. And this mm-hmm. art style is so not Wii-like. I'll tell you that much. It is so... No, definitely not. Not Wii-like. It's, you know what it looks like to me a little bit? Mm-hmm. Did you play Super Smash Brothers on 3DS? Uh, very limitedly, but yes, I have. That, it looks a lot like that with that kind of like, uh, heavy black outline and all the, all all the pieces, Mm -hmm. right? And the very painterly style backgrounds. Uh, I really, I really love this art style and you can play with four players. You can all play as Kirby, which is a long time complaint of, uh, multiplayer Kirby games. Someone gets stuck as a... Yep. Someone's stuck as a Waddle D, or someone is stuck as a Kirby who can't suck anything in, or someone is stuck as a something else, right? That now, was a big yeah. thing with the Kirby Star Allies game that we had in this house. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, it would be like, hey, who gets to be Kirby, and who's going to be somebody else? So, yeah, there was a lot of that here. <laughs> who's going to get to be Kirby, and who gets to be someone who sucks? <laughs> yeah, I mean, there was a little bit of uh, that was a little bit tempered by the fact that, like, before you went in or you could go into like these star areas and there was quite a selection of characters you could pick sure. from. Because, like, you know, that game's all about everybody teaming up. So yeah. pretty much any bad guy, you could be any bad guy or any uh, additional character. There was this girl with a paintbrush that was very popular in this household. Now, um, yeah, I, you know, for me, though. Playing a Kirby game, the mechanic of the Kirby game is you want to float yep. and you want to suck up enemies and gain new powers, right? You want yes, to have that right. variety of powers. Absolutely. And so like, you only get that playing as Kirby. Like every other character has a mm-hmm. dedicated power set. I love that everyone could just be Kirby, can suck up their own enemy, and it's no big deal, right? Yep. Multiple colors of Kirby exist have existed since the Smash Brothers on Nintendo 64. So yep. for 20 years we've had... Uh, multiple colors of Kirby, and this is a really good opportunity to squeeze them all in one game and let everybody just do the thing, right? Like, mm-hmm. everybody playing gets to do the Kirby thing, and no one has to fight over who gets to be first player. Maybe some people will fight over who gets to be pink Kirby, iconic classic Kirby, but that's about it. Perhaps. Yeah, but uh, again, no, I, I think it's really exciting. After uh, Kirby and the Forgotten Lands, uh, we have just a, a household of people who are really uh, totally on on board with Kirby. I have not yet picked up Kirby and the Forgotten Lands, but it looks good. Very, very good. I can let you borrow it if you want. Uh, I, uh, I played very, the demo. Yeah, it's 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 really good. They really did a nice job with it. This uh, this last thing on the list is something I am very very excited for. I mean, it is no secret. I've shared it on this podcast before that though it is certainly not a, a very cozy game. Um, it is just a masterpiece of a game. Uh, Legend of Zelda Breath of the Wild was uh, is definitely in my top 10 and probably in my top five games of all time. Uh, I just enjoyed it so thoroughly. I beat it all the way through, uh, Found went to all the shrines twice. I did it once on the Wii U, once on the Switch. Um, and, uh, of course, the showstopper, the very end of this trailer, we got the name 
of the sequel. So no longer are we going to be referring to it as Breath of the Wild 2, but instead we're going to call it... Legend of Zelda, The Tears of the Kingdom. Yes. Now... A very ominous title. I, I have some questions for you. All right. Here's the first question. We're going to do, we're going to do some process of elimination. Is it Tears of the Kingdom or Tears of the Kingdom? Is the kingdom crying or is the kingdom being torn apart? You know, it could go either way based on that. I took it as tears like crying. Yes, I took it as tears like crying. Now, here's the further question. I also Mm -hmm. took it as tears like crying pronunciation wise. But now if you look at the uh, the actions, the very little bit of gameplay we see in this trailer. Only a tiny bit. We only got a little little bit. Now, if we add that to some of the stuff we've seen before, maybe a little more, but... Yeah. Lots of going into the sky. Yep. Lots of you can definitely see the very distinctive uh, yellow glow and outline on that piece of rock that Link rides up into the sky. And there's lots of floating yep. islands. Now, is it Tears of the Kingdom because the kingdom is crying in pain? Or is it Tears of the Kingdom in that literally pieces of the kingdom are raining down like tears? Yeah, I was thinking it was related to sadness, but you bring up a great point, and I don't know. Did you hear that they did not they did not air this Nintendo Direct in the UK out of respect for the Queen having just passed? I did and, hear that. Yeah. And people are are wondering, did they do that because Tears of the Kingdom is like a little on the nose? That's a good that's a good point. I wonder yeah. if that was part of it. I wonder if that was part of it. The you people, know, the people want to know. Yes, right. That's a good point. Um, yeah, I think that's a mystery that will uh, perhaps be solved with time. But um, I mean, I'm really excited for this game. Now, I don't know if you're with me at all here. Did you expect like a loft wing to come down at any point? Did no, you? no. Okay, <laughs> when not he at was, all. When he was falling through the sky and sort of doing. The standard uh, fall that you might see from like um, very skyward sword like. Yes, right. Oh man, I was like, oh wait a minute, they better not, they better not see. Um, I would have been fine with the loftwing. There were, but loftwing, loftwing doesn't fit the Breath of the Wild aesthetic. But they no. did replace it. I mean that that metal thing is shaped like a bird that he landed on. Totally, right? absolutely, and yeah, that could yeah. be an item, or it could just be like stuff is falling and you land on falling stuff sometimes, and you still have your hang glider. Right, like yeah, it could liner. be that, right? Uh, yeah. Which I'd be into either. I'm I'm ready to play more Zelda. I've I've played and liked to varying degrees uh, just about every Zelda game that they've released, mm-hmm. all the way back. I like the original. I like Zelda two. Uh, I love Ocarina of Time, Twilight Princess, um, the Majora's Mask. All those games, uh, even though especially the one the one thing I will say I really hope they continue doing is uh, Capcom made. Three Legend of Zelda games, all for the portable systems over the years. They made Oracle of Seasons, Oracle of Ages, and the Minish Cap. And Minish Cap, art-wise, is one of my favorite games. Mm -hmm. Um, And gameplay-wise, I truly, truly loved Oracle of Seasons. Um, And and just a couple years ago, they remade uh, Link's Awakening, which is originally a Game Boy game, right? And it was Mm -hmm. a really good remake. So I'd really like to see if they do some remakes of these Capcom ones or or just make a way for me to play them on the Nintendo Switch would be great. Um, Either via 
adding a Game Boy library or a Game Boy Advance library to the Nintendo online system, something like that. I would really I think that would probably be the most likely way. I'm not sure that we'll get another big ticket remake of any of those in this like 35th anniversary window for Zelda that they, you know, keep talking about. Hey, everybody's favorite anniversary to celebrate 35th. Yes, you know, it's just the only meaningful year there is. It's just a classic, classic anniversary. I believe that's the acorn anniversary. No, I have no idea. Hey, you know what else is having its 35th anniversary this year? What's that? Metroid. Whoa. Metroid Metroid Dread was another amazing one. A truly great game. And uh, Metroid Prime 4 is off in development somewhere. Yeah, I thought we would hear something about that, perhaps. Yeah, you see, you would think, but they're only interested in celebrating Legend of Zelda's 35th anniversary, not Metroid's 35th anniversary. Hmm. Very Uh, selective. Well, part of that is the fact that Metroid has never been truly a popular game series in Japan. Okay, so it hasn't really been a darling. Yeah, it's like, uh, if you go back and, and look at Super Metroid you can see how very heavily influenced it is by the Alien and Aliens movies. Mm-hmm. Uh, like, genuinely, like, even the, the oh, opening totally. intro is, like, sh- almost ripped from Alien, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, derelict spacecraft, all this stuff, right? Yep. Um, and even those movies are not as popular in Japan, so it's always appealed more to a Western audience, so it doesn't always get as much play when Nintendo corporate leadership is picking and choosing but yes but i'm really grateful to have played metroid dread earlier was that this year or last year it all blends together to me i definitely played it this year but what uh, day is it (laughs) yeah where are we what is happening um now pete before we wrap up yes um you know nintendo had their uh big direct this week oh but playstation playstation didn't want to be left out that's true yes so uh PlayStation also have what they call a state of play. They had it on the same day. I see what they did there. Uh, that's 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 what PlayStation does. They they right. they don't have directs. They have state of play, and they also have uh, sometimes they call them like PlayStation showcases, which are like their bigger events. So this is only about a twenty minute event. Um, so let's see. They had they revealed Tekken Eight uh, fighting game Arena Fighter coming out. Okay, uh, that's a big deal. We a talked Tekken, a lot of Tekken fans out there. A lot of fighting fans. Now that now that PlayStation. Uh, owns Evo, the uh, fighting game competition. I imagine that uh, you know they're going to. Do you think I'm, they'll like pivot? No, so I you know I don't think PlayStation owns Evo. I think PlayStation owns a stake in Evo. If, if that oh, makes I thought more they sense. were the. I thought they, they controlled it. They may be a majority, but like oh, it's okay. it's more that Sony owns it rather than PlayStation owns it. They're not yeah, really that's exerting true. the PlayStation influence. Right, right, right. right. Um. They they did show that new God of War Ragnarok trailer, which mm-hmm, we, that we about alluded earlier. to before. Yeah, yep. uh, which looks very good. It continues the story. It looks really interesting. Um, Kratos' son Atreus is a little older now and dealing with the implications of being a son of a god, which is great because is he going just... to go into the family business? That's the question. Well, that's, so that's actually a little bit answered in the previous game. Oh, okay. Um, no spoilers. No spoilers. Very cool-looking thing I watched here. Star Wars Tales from the Galaxy's Edge, which is a VR2 game. PlayStation VR2. Uh, Now, have you been to Disney World's Galaxy's Edge? Sadly, I have not. Uh, This summer, I'm planning to hopefully get a chance to go to Disneyland, where they have 
uh, a version of Galaxy's Edge. So that'll yeah, probably be the Edge, first place yeah. that I will see it and experience it. This, but yeah, I cannot so, wait. But, uh, no. Well, I, I will say to you in advance, uh, bright suns and enjoy your stay in Batuu. Uh, but this this is uh, a VR game where you go basically to Batuu and do stuff. Um, called Demio. I would uh, sign up to go to Disneyland in VR. That would be fun, too. Yeah, or Disney World in VR. No, I've already I've already done all the Disney video games I need to do because I played the Disney World game on the Nintendo Entertainment System. That is a masterpiece. Yes, yeah. I've played that game as well. Um, I love the trivia in that game. It's super fun. There's a Yakuza game, uh, Hogwarts Legacy. A little conflicted about being excited for Hogwarts Legacy, but I think I fall in the excited category. Uh, they're getting a PlayStation exclusive quest, and I don't care. Uh, yeah. Honestly, not too much thrilling here. Uh, oh, Neo, which is a Souls-like game. Okay. Uh, their developer is announcing an open-world samurai game, Rise of the Ronin. That sounds rad. Okay, that sounds a cool name. Yeah. And uh, samurai, those are inherently cool. Very cool. Yes, I love a good samurai. I'm playing a samurai in Elden Ring. Let's bring it full circle. There you go. And that's, we're that's it for the PlayStation uh, showcase. That really that that God of War Ragnarok trailer is really the standout of that. All right. Awesome. Well, that is a perfect place to wrap. Uh, so uh, for those who are interested, you can follow us on social media. Uh, we are uh, on Instagram at friends are far out. Uh, on Twitter, you can find find us at Fafopod, that's F as in A, uh, F as in Frank, A as in Apple, F as in Frank, O as in Olive, Pod. On Reddit, we're at Friends Are Far Out. On the web, friendsarefarout.com. And if you want to drop us a line, you can always reach us at friendsarefarout at gmail.com. Pete, I want to thank you for joining us and uh, taking time away. This is not your only podcast you recorded this week. That's true. Um, It is not my only podcast. I host uh, another podcast. If you are interested in tabletop wargaming, more specifically, if you're interested in Star Wars X-Wing, the miniatures game, which is a tabletop wargame, I host a podcast called Yet Another X-Wing Podcast with a couple members of the community. It's a very New York, New Jersey-focused podcast. We talk about uh, happenings of the game. We talk to lots of talk with people who do well in tournaments. We talk about our own local tournaments, local play. um, And we have a good, fun time. So, yeah, give uh, us a listen. You can find us on all your podcast platforms. All right. That is awesome. We will definitely do that. Um, uh, That game is great because I think it appeals to lots of things that Star Wars fans enjoy. They uh, they like that game. They love sitting around talking about Star Wars. The yep. ships are great. Uh, you get a lot of flavor on the cards that go along with the game. Uh, you know, there's a collecting aspect to it. I, I feel like it, it checks a lot of boxes. Also, it's great for losers like myself. Perfect. There we go. There we go. All right. Well, this has been another episode of the Friends Are Far Out podcast. Thank you so much for joining us. I'm your host, Jay. And I've been Pete. Please remember that if you like the show, leave us a review on iTunes or Spotify. That can really help us out. Also, tell a friend about the show, because as the name implies, friends are far out. Feel better, M. We love you and miss you. 
Thanks so much for listening, everyone. Bye. Bye.